Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and we're here to talk about some exciting filming news. Before before we get into that, we're going to talk about um, Major League Baseball. That's right, something I thought we would never talk about on a Game of Thrones podcast. Major League Baseball. Um, guess what's going to happen here? HBO and Game of Thrones is going to be partnering up with MLB, and they're going to be advertising for Season 7 of Game of Thrones. Guys, I'm going to start with Corey Thone because he and I used to have a sports podcast. Thone, how do you feel about this? Oh, man, I just do not give a shit about baseball. Um, <laughs> not at all. I, I at really all. I have a hard time caring about like the college that I root for is baseball team, even though they're really good. Like I look, Major League Baseball has got this issue. It's a polar opposite issue that Game of Thrones has. Game of Thrones needs to have a longer season, right? Right. Major League Baseball needs to cut their season in half. It is absurd. Well, it's a sport. First off, it's organized rest. It's just go stand right there and then stand there. And then secondly, it's the only sport I can think of where you can fail at something 70% of the time and be a Hall of Famer. Well, I bet 300. But that means you miss 700. I don't understand <laughs> how you're in the Hall of Fame. It's it's a sport that, that has 175,000 regular season games. The season runs from April to April, and it just – it's the, the whole game – it's fine. Baseball's fun to watch in person, drink some beer, hang out with friends, but it's – I, it's it's down there with golf in terms of watching it on TV. I'm good. I yeah. will say this. I will say this, man. At least um, we can share a little bit of the uh, angst of MLB fans like Chicago Cubs. They had to wait over 100 years to win a, a pennant. Uh, we had to wait how, how many years for a book seven. So there you go. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> I'm not a Cubs fan. <laughs> Me either. First of all. Baseball is freaking awesome. Second of all, I knew it. I knew. Okay, okay. So the only good thing about baseball, the beginning of baseball season, is that we're that much closer to the end of baseball season. Period. <laughs> there, there is no end to baseball season. Spring training starts right after the World Series. Spring and I'd training, like to speak up for golf on TV because started. if you're someone who lives in the city and you don't get to see a lot of green, golf provides that. Baseball well, does not. The only, the only thing I'll say in defense of this is they, you know, if they were going to partner with a major sport, it's the only one they really had a choice to do. Football doesn't run the same time as the season does, hopefully not this year. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, basketball, basketball is over in June, right? I mean, like the first couple of weeks of June, which again, hopefully, you know, that doesn't seem like where we're going to land as far as season seven. I mean, maybe if they chose a different season. You know, the past seasons could have could have overlapped with some of the other sports, but I mean, they didn't. Really, I mean, baseball is the only one they could do. Well, so. you know, here's what I'm afraid of, and ISIS. I'm gonna. I want to hear your thoughts on this really quick because you're my Star Wars connection on this podcast, even more so than Corey Smith. But uh, let me let me let me point this at your direction. Um, I'm afraid what's going to happen is they're going to hold that season seven trailer for some really stupid MLB game that we all have to watch half the game just to oh, get God, I hate trailer. you. I agree. Are you- I completely agree that that's probably going to happen. And what I will do is I will wait until Twitter has it, and then I will watch it there. There's no way <laughs> you're getting me to watch a baseball game. There, it's just not going to happen. Where to God, no way. There, there's just no way. And And you know what? It'll probably be like midday when people are actually at work 
when they do it. That's because that's the when all the re- baseball games are on. Exactly, midday, right? exactly. They will do it like at you know I don't know one o'clock in the afternoon in in some meaningless game or something like that, and be like, boom, there you go, and and everybody's like left scratching their head, like what the fuck just happened here? You know, is this new? Is this real life? What the hell? And so you know, I I I don't. I, and I would think they would do it just to hype it up to say, hey, if you watch, you know, an MLB game that means nothing in the middle of the day, you might see something from Game of Thrones. I mean, I guarantee that's going to happen. What I want to hear is Joe Buck. Everybody, if you're a sports fan, you know who Joe Buck is. I want to hear Joe Buck stammer through an introduction to Game of Thrones Season 7. <laughs> I, watch watch out for those White Walkers. The <laughs> <laughs> Uh, watch out! Seven's right around the corner. One of those like pop up ads that's like on the bottom of the screen, like the lower yes. third, and it's like again. It's watch out for those white walkers this Sunday on HBO <laughs> tonight on HBO. Um, Targaryen comes back to the Westerworld. Oh, my God. That's what it's going to be like. I mean, also, the the fact of the matter is that this is the other thing. This is what really gets me, right? Game of Thrones is an international thing. An enormous amount of the fan base is based in the U.K. and Europe. They don't watch baseball. That's that whack American crap. Like, (laughs) like, why didn't they pair with football? But not that football, that football. You know what football is. Football. Yes, why didn't they pair with that? That's under that, that that would be that would make so much more sense to me to have it paired with footy than it would to be with baseball. Like the baseball thing is so like anathema to the world of Game of Thrones. Like it's it, it's apple pie and 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 ice cream and happiness and Americanism and rah 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 and little flags, right? Like no, this is not first, listen. No, no, there's a there's a reason there's a reason that little boys are told to think about baseball when they're trying not to think about. It is the boner killer. All right, so um, <laughs> went too far. Moving on, there's never a line on this podcast. Moving on, um, speaking about season seven, Liam Cunningham had a funny joke, uh, and Annie, you wrote this up today, so I'll let you take it away. But it had to do with Blazing Saddles. So there's a great connection there. What did he talk about with the premiere of Game of Thrones Season 7? Okay, so first off, um, about a week ago, he did an interview with the Irish Independent in which he said, you know, it's really, you know, I feel bad for the fans. Usually come back in April, but this year it's probably going to be in, like, July, I think. Right? And, of course, everyone, excuse us, because we don't actually know that it's coming back in July. Like, the only thing we know about this is that it's not going to be eligible for the 2017 Emmys. So June 1st on is fair game. Right. So for all we knew, they were going to do, you know, they were going to premiere like what, June 4th, which is the first weekend. So here's Liam Cunningham basically confirming what most like HBO watchers kind of assumed, which is that Game of Thrones would move into the true detective slot and start in mid-July. And with a seven week run, that would end right at Labor Day and be a perfect fit. 
right? And here we, basically here, we thought we had confirmation. And of course, Liam Cunningham, he, I honestly think he meant that. I honestly think that's what's happening. But, you know, the overlords are not happy with him. So today he tweeted out, or maybe it was yesterday, he tweeted out a, a, a message that said, I don't actually know what it's starting. And then he quoted Blazing Saddles, Mongol only pawn in Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's just. Well, I think he's just trying to cover his ass. I think. Yeah, I, I think. I think it really is. I think that this is the proof that we were waiting for. Yeah. it really is coming in the in the in the true detective slot, as we suspected from the beginning when they said it was going to come back later in the year. I mean, it just makes sense with seven weeks ending at Labor Day. Just makes a lot of sense for an American audience, and it makes sense across. It makes sense across the pond because they have their own version of that. They have a bank holiday at about the same time. It's not called Labor Day in the same way, but it's a bank holiday. So it basically works out to the same kind of schedule. You yeah, also don't I, have any holidays you have to take off time for. Like in the past, they've taken off for like what, Mother's Day or Father's Day or whatever, whatever the, the Memorial Day. Or, Memorial yeah. Day. They've taken off time for that. And it's like, oh, God damn it. I got to wake another week before Game of Thrones. But they don't yeah. have to do that this season. So that's good. Yeah. And, and if they start mid July, they pretty much miss, uh, they miss. July 4th, they miss Bastille Day, and then they go straight until Labor Day slash bank holidays. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, he would know at this point because they're starting to finalize promotional schedules and when they need them here and all that kind of stuff. So he would have been told, you know, when the date would be. At yeah, this I mean, he's not coming to South by Southwest. That's Benny Offenweiss and Maisie Williams and Sophie Turner. But, you know, I'm pretty sure at this point they have a good idea of what the schedule is. And I don't think I don't think he was spitballing. I think he knows. No, I don't think so either. I think that's going to be inaccurate, that it's going to be July. Well, um, speaking of waiting on things, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Because... Hey, can, can I say something really quick? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you know... I saw some people on on Facebook and Twitter complaining about, oh, you know, him trying to walk back his comments about it. And I was just like, you know what? I mean, the guy's trying to keep his job. You know, he he may have said something that he wasn't supposed to. But I I almost want to go all Ian McShane on people and say, yes, get a fucking life. Chill out. out more. It will it Game of Thrones will come on when they say it will. It's not going to change whether or not, you know, someone leaked the information or whatever. I mean, this shit is already set in stone. So, yeah, no, the first the first picture with the first the first bill will come out on a Tuesday at three thirty in the afternoon, just like it always has. You know, we just don't know which Tuesday, probably the one where I'm sitting in the hairdressers, because that's how it worked out all during season six. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. Um, I remember. I was, I was like, are they consulting my stylist? What is going on here? Um, but it, I, it's, you know, there is no point in freaking out or getting mad, you know. But I, I do think that we should point out that Maisie Williams, you know, because I mentioned her from South by Southwest, she actually just finished filming. So, you know, they're still doing filming, right? That, that was just last week as well. Yeah, um, she literally just finished, and she finished uh, up in Canada. 
that was a great segue, by the way, Annie. I'm going to give you a fist bump on that one. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Macy Williams and what she was doing in Canada. She was at a national park there, uh, and most of her Instagram photos uh, have her taking pictures of the of the ski slopes and, and in front of Canadian maple leaves and all that kind of stuff, doing the Canadian thing. But well, she didn't actually she, see she didn't see the uh, prime minister though. Uh, if she'd taken pictures with the prime minister, I'd have been really impressed. There you go. There you go. Well, she is going to probably be the next prime minister. So everybody loves her that much. She's always there. So, but what we're going to talk about now is she was at a national park there uh, in Banff, Alberta, and the assumption was uh, because there is. Um, Quigley the Wolf, who plays Ghost the Dire Wolf in the show, uh, belong, uh, is trained by a group called um, – what is it? Spirit Animals for Film or something like that. And they posted to their Instagram account photos of Quigley, who plays Ghost. It says, ready to work. And then they posted another picture, and this is going to be spoiler territory for you guys out there, so this is your time to turn around if you want to. So three, two, one, your spoilers are coming. But they posted another photo of a completely different wolf that had sim- similar qualities to, say, a Nymeria-type wolf, and it said, hashtag winter is coming. Um, everybody went nuts. Everybody went crazy, put two and two together. Macy Williams is there. Um, Spirit Animals for Film is there. They're going to film uh, scenes with dire wolves. That means Nymeria is coming back. If you're not familiar who, with who Nymeria is, she's uh, Arya Stark's dire wolf that she had to chase off in season one in the episode King's Road because she was afraid that the Lannisters would kill her because she bit Joffrey on the arm. Now, um, in the books, Nymeria, at this point in time where the show is, Nymeria's running around, well, probably fast forward or whatever, but Nymeria is running around the Riverlands with the largest wolf pack in Westeros, and they're just destroying everything they come across. And Arya constantly has these wolf dreams, and she tastes what Nymeria eats. She smells what Nymeria smells. She experiences and sees everything through her eyes. In fact, at one point in one of um, Arya's dreams, she actually she actually sees through Nymeria's eyes as she's dragging her mother out of the river after the Red Wedding. So it's one of you those things. You just couldn't resist bringing up Lady Stoneheart. Lady Stoneheart for life. I gotta say it. But anyway. Um, Face basically what we see in the books is that Arya can also warg. She's very connected. This is this is basically this is basically her version of warging. Like she, unlike Bran, who is actually trained to warg, she is basically doing an un uh, an untrained version of warging with her wolf when she's asleep. Which, Which, by the way, Jon Snow is as well, but they never. Arya and Jon aren't talked about as wargs in the show. Only Bran is. But anyway, she's oh, so she's a Mary Sue, huh? Like that girl from Star Wars? Is that what she is? She just doesn't have any training. She just does stuff. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This show's feminist bullcrap has got to stop. Sad. It's fake news. Sad. All right. Fake warning. Fake fake warning. Oh, my God. Yes, we worked that into the show. All right. So so two and two got put together, and everybody thought, okay, Macy Williams is there to film scenes with Nymeria. Nymeria's coming back on the show. Now, this would be a great point to – for anybody who loves the Starks and their direwolves, Nymeria currently is the only living sibling of ghosts. All the other direwolves that were found in, in episode one of Game of Thrones, all those wolves are dead except for ghosts. So, on the show anyway. So, if Nymeria comes back, she'll be uh, her and we hope to have a reunion of ghosts and Nymeria on the show. Corey Thone, you're a big book 
fan like I am. You've read the yeah. books. You're very invested in them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So what do you? What does this mean to you as a show watcher? Not a damn um, thing. You don't really care. <laughs> would, would, would you be happy to see the Wolves? Come no, no, back? I'd be very happy to see it. I just don't know what it means. And I, I, I need you to remember, too, and ISIS will back me up on this. Um, the dogs mean – or wolves, whatever – mean way less to me and Isis and other Shonleys because they really haven't been a thing much. Like, they're cool pets. It's cool because they're, they're dire wolves, and they found them when they were puppies. And like we saw the backstory. I mean, it, but, like, for example, you guys got super emotional when, like, Ghost was crying at the end of season six or five, whatever it was. When Jon Snow had been killed. In the like opening you, in season six. Yeah. The six, yeah. You guys yeah. were like really emotional about that. And I was like, yeah, the dog was sad. It's like, it's a wolf. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't. It's, so, like, I don't. it's a dire wolf. Hello, it's a dire wolf. It's yeah, correct. sure. So, that being said, yeah, I mean, it would be cool to get that kind of reunion. It'd be cool for those dire wolves to become a bigger part of the show, but they truly haven't been, you know, that important to me as a character. As a Shonley. And that's that's kind of that's one of the unfair things about where they've cut in the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the end they had to decide between dragons and direwolves and they chose dragons. I mean because the fact of the matter is, is that they're actually fly, they don't even pay the money to fly the to fly the stand in wolves to the set. All of ghost scenes last year were basically filmed in Canada and then overlaid on what was filmed in Ireland. Okay, like they didn't even bother pay the money. Okay, this year they paid the money to fly Maisie over there because it was cheaper than flying the wolves to her. But still, there's only one actor over there interacting with the wolves. Like this is so most of it is ends up being CGI stand in stuff that they use. And then they don't use it that much because they don't have that kind of budget. And it's one of the places where we've really lost part of the story because yes, of yes, the because of the need to in the end hold to a budget after all. Well, yeah. and I would I would counter with that that you're right that we're missing out on one of those fun things about the book that you just can't explain to us. Me and Isis and and I'll let her chime in after this. You just can't explain to us why the wolves are so cool and important and interesting in the books because you have to read it and experience it from the beginning. Right. Well, cause but, the- but are they actually – like how relevant to the story is that? Like it's – a great example is Lady Stoneheart who Razor brought up, so I guess we should talk real quick about that. <laughs> that the, the big spoiler at this point is that she's clearly not that important to the final outcome. Right. So, and that sucks because her character is super awesome from what I understand. And just like the way she becomes a thing is super awesome. But uh, at this point, it's obvious that she's not super like vital to the finale. So I don't know if that means the same thing for the wolves, but uh, almost dogs again. But uh, I don't know. Isis, what do you think? You're a show only like me. I mean, do you have more of an attachment to the wolves than I do? The only one that I grew somewhat of an attachment to yes i love ghost he's you know sure. d- just because you know he's with my my cinnamon bun uh but <laughs> more importantly was brand's dire wolf summer that and i felt like you know seeing the capabilities that brand had with summer i thought that was really really important i thought that, was, I, that death that dire wolf, wolf death um 
affected me more than than any of the other ones. And it was still needless um, in my point of view, by the way, too. It was a, I'm it was sorry. One of the worst it was a needless death, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, but <laughs> still, and then I just felt like you know we we saw this capability that um, you know summer brought to the table and and we it just didn't seem like we would get that from all of the other ones and and you're right you're absolutely right that's something as a shonley is completely lost on us about these amazing abilities of not only the characters you know aria and um and her wolf uh nymira right correct and nymira uh, yeah. yeah and so um and then you know we got glimpse of that uh with summer uh with uh brand so it's one of those situations where, you know, when you guys talk about how awesome these these direwolves are and everything, I can kind of see it, but, you know, it just got lost, you know, as far as coming to, um, for us Shonley watchers, so. And that's a great point that all you brought up, and like, Corey Thone and, and Annie, you guys have been talking back and forth, and honestly, in Season 7, if they're going to split a budget between CGI characters, they're going to spend much more time on three full-grown dragons who are running rampant across uh, um, Westeros than they are on two direwolves. And so that's kind of sad because, honestly, for book, for book, you guys are right, for book fans, it's way more exciting for us because we know what Nymeria stands for because in the books it's hinted at that she has a, an army of her own. Like when I say wolf pack, I'm not talking about like five or six wolves. She's got – and an army of wolves that follow her around the Riverlands, and they, they wipe out entire villages and farms. People basically and, whisper about them in terror and horror, that there is the, that there are these deadly wolves that have come down, and it's, in a way, it's almost like you, you want to yell at these people, no, these are not the things you should be scared of. You should be scared of the White Walkers, but what they're really scared of is the wolves. And yeah. there's a sense where you kind of wonder if that wolf pack is going to be important in the last battle. Mm-hmm. I, I, and that's not a thing that we're going to get out of the show in the same way, unless we suddenly, out of nowhere, start seeing Arya Warg, like, I don't know, episode one, season seven. That would freak me out. So, Smith, what did you... I know you wanted to say something. I just... Uh, I just I, really I, want I, to say before Smith talks. You know what, just <laughs> <fuck up>. <laughs> so, I think that the... the to me, one of the bigger things that was lost as far as the direwolves from the books to the show was that all the direwolves kind of represented the personalities of their owners. Um, you know, Arya's is wild and running around the Riverlands just massacring people, which is kind of what Arya is doing in a real strong, life. A strong, fe- a strong female character. Right. And she's by herself and she has a new wolf pack and she's not with her family and her other, you know litter mates that eventually end up dead. You know, Rickon's dire wolf in the books is, is very angry and doesn't understand things that are going on. Cause Rickon's a lot, you know, younger in the book. So he doesn't understand things. And then, you know, like ghost ghost is the only white dire wolf. So he stands apart just like John kind of does. So to me, that was kind of the big part that the, that the uh, dire wolves, you know, lost from show to, you know, from page to show that they lost kind of, how they represented their characters and their personalities as opposed to just, you know, actions on the page, like pulling Lady Stoneheart out of the river and things like that. While you're at it, let me ask you, do you think that the show at this point with seven episodes with, we obviously know they're going to throw a lot of budget CGI dragons. Do you think we can afford to give us any kind of um, substantial story with Nymeria and Ghost or, or with just Nymeria and Arya? 
You know, if I had to guess, I think that it's significant that they flew, not just for budgetary reasons, but that they flew Aria, that they flew Maisie Williams over to Canada because I, that to me that says the scenes they want to film with her aren't ones that they could necessarily capture with CGI. So they want Maisie to be really close with the wolf and things like that because all the other scenes we see the wolves, they're kind of apart from the people and you can kind of tell it's CGI. Yeah. That it's overlaid. And they don't really necessarily have a lot of physical interaction with the with the dire wolves. So to me that says they they have something a little different planned for Maisie and Nymeria. Um, you know, a little more physical interaction uh between the two. And then, you know, as far as I assume by the by the end of the series, I don't know in season seven, but by the end of the series, I do believe Nymeria's wolf pack will come in handy and will prove, you know, some sort of have some sort of point in the you know in the battle and the war with the White Walkers. You would so, like to think so, but yeah. then again, I also thought Lady Stoneheart was going to have a point. <laughs> but see, I, and we've had this discussion before with uh, in our in our group chat for uh, winners coming with the other writers, and there's one writer in particular who always sides with me on Lady Stoneheart, Sarah. And Sarah and I were talking about uh, uh, Lady Stoneheart, and she talks about um, how Lady Stoneheart's story has been spread across through Arya and um, Sansa. So you know, while we may not think that Lady Stoneheart is not, she's not important to the show, obviously. Um, she may have a lot, a much larger role in the books, because they're taking her role and spreading it across Sansa and Arya on the show. Right. You see, see my point? Yeah, and and they could still do that, but it's, I don't know. Something about the Nymeria and the and the Wolf Pack and Arya to me says that that'll come in handy. And you know, and there's some poetry or whatever the hell you want to call it to a large group of wolves coming to the aid, you know, against the white walkers, you know, the Starks are the dire wolves and they're the, who we assume are going to be the primary, you know, foe of the white walkers. So there, there'd be some, you know, symbolism there or whatever you want to call it. If a giant pack of wolves led by Nymeria ended up coming in and saving the day at some point. Right. Okay. Well, um, speaking of, possible character returns we know that we do have a confirmation finally of um a car stark joining the show am i correct annie yes Elise? yes we, uh yes yes we do um the uh uh we had seen this picture of uh, a redhead coming out of uh the trailers back when there was a big filming over in the Winterfell set. And when she was first seen, people said, oh, it's a, it's Sansa's stunt double. Um, and then people were like, no, wait, that's not Sansa's stunt double. That is an actress on her own. She's playing a new character, but we don't know who. So since then, we have now gotten confirmation via a, a resume update that uh, that actress is actually playing Elise Karstark, um, we still don't know very much about what's going to happen with that. Um, there's several theories, you know, uh, the Car Starks, of course, sided against the Starks in the war. Um, but 
it could be seen as, you know, John takes uh, Karstark to be his bride in order to help bring them into the fold. It could be that John takes her as a hostage, it, like they did with uh, Theon all those years ago. Um, it could be that she's basically there to for her family's life. I mean, there's a lot of different theories going on of what. I, do, I, I like. I have one thought on this. What mm-hmm. if? Um, the car. She's coming in as she's going to fulfill her book story. Well, and by by that I mean she's going to marry a wildling. In the book, she marries a thin, the Magnar thin. Uh, but since the thins are all dead on the show now, we know that. Uh, what if she ends up marrying Tormund? Even though we all want Brienne and Tormund to be together, obviously. That's what not going to happen. What if we I, see hold- John? Connect these two houses, the uh, Wildlings and the, and the Karstarks. Go ahead, Annie, because I think this is a, I think this is highly, highly likely. But go ahead. Um, you know, I honestly assumed it was more to try and get her to marry John that she was being sent as a, as a present to John kind of thing, and I could see John then marrying her to. I don't know is how that will play over with everyone else. You know, will people take that as an insult to the Karstarks that she was forced to marry a wild thing? Remember, these people think wild things are like, you know, half human. Um, but right. at the same, I, I mean, this could be a massive political blunder for John if he does that. But it could also be very much what what ends up happening is that he does marry her to a wildling in order to try and bring the wildlings and North together into one army. Yeah. Well, but we, what we do know for a fact is, well, it's not much of a fact is there's no, there, there was, um, the fate of Harold Karstark, the, the Karstark that represented the house at the battle of the bastards, uh, who was connected with Ramsey. He, his fate is unknown. He, it wasn't well, shown that he, Killed, and if you look at Game of Thrones wiki, which is always accurate with the show, he is still left uncertain his fate. So we don't know okay. what happened to Harold. Okay, well, I have a couple points. First of all, I, I, I just read the script for Battle of the Bastards, the the one, the official one from HBO. And in the script, unlike on the sh- on what we see in the show, Harold leads the the Bolton cavalry charge at the onset of the battle. The same one oh. that. The same one that goes for John, and you know John's standing in front of it with his, you know, by himself. He leads that charge in the original Battle of the Bastards script. So maybe a hint there. I don't know. They could obviously they can change things by the time it airs. So who knows? But that's that's a definitely a big clue. Um, so, but either way, it doesn't necessarily a, a marriage between Tormund and Elise Karstark doesn't necessarily hinge on whether or not Harold is alive or dead. Because if he's alive, he could, you know, John could simply strip him of his land and titles and right. pass that on to, to Elise. Um, as far as them getting married, I see a lot of positives for that with John. I, I understand before the battle of the bastards that the wildlings were looked upon as, you know, I mean, we heard the umbers and the car starts, you know, basically giving racist comments towards the wildlings. But you have to understand things are different now. The wildlings fought for the Starks. They fought against the Boltons, who nobody liked. They helped liberate Winterfell. They helped restore the Starks back to their proper you know, place. 
and everybody loves the Starks. So that I think that'll go a long way as far as placating uh, some of that hatred. But it's lifelong hatred, and that obviously takes a while to, to go away. And I think a marriage between Elise and Tormund would be another good step. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's going to necessarily raise a huge ruckus when you consider what the Karstarks just did in betraying the Starks. So and that's what that's what John that's what John's aims were in the book when he married Elise to the, right. the Magnar Finn was to sit to smooth over the relations between the Wildlings and the people of the North. Let's join right. a great house. Plus, House Karstark in the books at that point in time is is in turmoil because you have one side right. being led by an uncle and one side being led by a son. Uh, right. So yeah, it's a and, it's completely chaotic. And consider that the the Karstark lands are in the northeast of Winterfell. They're pretty isolated, um, and so if you wanted to settle the Wildlings and you know, in the north somewhere that's kind of isolated where you're not having them necessarily bumping up with everybody all the time, it'd be a good place to kind of settle them and let them quietly integrate into northern society, as well as it keeps Tormund pretty close to the wall because Carhold is fairly close to Eastwatch by the sea, which, if you remember in that Reddit leak that we all, you know, discussed ad nauseum, Oh, that's uh, true. John meets Tormund at Eastwatch by the Sea. So, oh. so you know, obviously Tormund could be coming from anywhere, but Carhold is fairly close to Eastwatch by the Sea, you know, as far as being close in, you know, in the north goes. So, you know, if he settled there in, in, um, in, uh, in the Karstark lands, it would make sense that, that that's where he's meeting John. And if he's settled on the Karstark lands, it most likely means he's married to, to Elise. So well, Now we all feel smarter. Thanks a lot, Corey Smith. This has been Maester's Corner with Corey Smith on Take the Black. I try, I try. I'm cheating. I have, a, I have a spec piece coming out on WIC tomorrow that basically breaks this all down. But Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so we have uh, news of uh, filming. We have news of people returning to the show, possibly an animal, a beloved uh pet or not really pet a dire wolf and um we also have some news um from george r martin himself talking about um the 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 basic overall series of a song of ice and fire which you know our beloved game of thrones is based on and he has said in in in, in a roundabout way um it could be seven books it could be eight books it could be no book i mean we don't know what's gonna happen with george r, r. martin and so uh, I'm going to leave this to Annie. I know we, we've talked about the books before. You've written several articles on it. Um, what does – and I'll, I'll read the exact statement to you. It says, I don't consider A Song of Ice and Fire to be a series, not as I define the word. I consider A Song of Ice and Fire to be one single gigantic story published in multiple volumes and in parentheses seven, I hope. And we haven't got the sixth book yet. So what do you think that says to you, Annie? It says that he's really not done. You know, that's basically my reaction is, oh, man, dude, you are so in the weeds still. You that are so terrifying. painfully it's terrifying. in the weeds. So painfully in the weeds. 
that this is a man who has not managed to see his way out of book six yet. Um, he doesn't even know if he can manage to fit the rest of what he has to write into book seven once he's done with book six. This is, this is, this is everything every reader has feared to hear from him, is that he has lost the grip so much that he cannot even at this point say whether or not it will even be seven or eight books or more. And yeah. uh, if you if you subscribe to the Song of Ice and Fire Reddit or the Game of Thrones Reddit, they were freaking out when this came out. I mean, because it's exactly what we don't want to hear. Because yeah. it basically, I mean, I mean, it is obvious simply from seven books. I hope. Oh, you hope. Oh, that's not good. You should not be hoping at this point. You should know. Yeah, you should you, know exactly yeah. where you stand. Exactly, and and yeah, the quote I I freak out too because. To me, it says he has no idea because most people, you know, they, they plan out a trilogy. Okay, we're going to have this, this book, this, and this book, this, and this book. Like he said, he doesn't view them in books. So for all we know, he's just going to you know, just keep on writing until he, fe- he until he has everything that he wants to say said, regardless of whether it fits in a, a certain number of books. So if he feels like he's got, you know, a bunch more to say, he'll just keep on writing until, you know, who the hell knows? So, uh, yeah, it's kind of scary when you're this far along in the series and you don't know how many books it's going to be. It's for not like fans, it's the fir- first book, book fans, you wrote. The most terrifying thing we heard uh, when it, with the Dance with Dragons was the Miranese Knot. I wonder what the new, the new stumbling, stumbling block is in this book. But uh, I, I truly believe that it's Arya. Arya, the, the Arya uh, Catch-22 or something. Something he's got to write with Arya that he just can't figure out. A lot of people have, have been speculating and and saying, well, maybe he's trying to uh, rewrite the book to match the show or to be better than the show to rewrite certain scenes so it's a surprise when it happens. I don't know. I don't care. I just want the next book. But this does segue us into a nice little title. Before we wrap the show up, while we're waiting on Game of Thrones Season 7, which will probably happen in July, as we talked about earlier, and while us book readers are waiting for Game uh, for the next book, which is The Winds of Winter, what show or books, if you're reading books right now or if you're watching a really good show you're into, and I'm going to go around to each panel member, what show or books would you suggest, and you can pick both if you want, uh, for people to take up right now t- to help pass the time, I and mean, I'll start it off. Right now, every year, I don't, I don't know why I do this, but every year I reread the Dune series. I go from Dune all the way to Chapter House Dune. I love Frank Herbert. I love the books. Um, you go all and, the way and, to Chapter House? Good I God, know, man. man. Oh, I went to I went to Butlarian Jihad one time. Jihad. So, yeah, I do, I do it all. But uh, Dune is one of my favorite series. It's more science fiction than it is fantasy, but there's also a little bit of mysticism and magic involved. So if you're really looking for a good book series and you haven't yet read them, which I suggest that anybody who's into science fiction or fantasy reads, you have to read Dune. Um, it's like a gateway into everything. Star Wars, all fantasy. It's, it's kind of like um, The Lord of the Rings for, uh, for Star Wars nerds, but it's a great book series. Get into it, read it. It's really good. And as far as shows go, um, man, there's so many out there. I couldn't tell you what the what the choice show is. I'm I'm, I'm a big uh, superhero nerd, so I've been watching all the DC, the Arrows, the the Flash, and the Supergirls, and then of course Marvel's Agents of Shield, who just went on hiatus. So you have to you have to pick what works for you for shows. But as far as um, but what I do like to do on HBO, is I like to go back and watch other seasons like The Wire. 
I, I, I finished watching The Wire a few months ago. Again, I watched it all the way through, binged it with my wife because she had to be introduced to it. Deadwood's another one. Uh, so it's, it's some great shows out there to, to, to watch and catch up on. Before his books, if you haven't picked up Dune, check it out. Corey Smith, I'll hand this off to you. Uh, for a book series, um, I have a series by an author named uh, Naomi Novak. Um, she writes a series called the Tamari series. And it's basically dragons exist during the Napoleonic Wars in the 1800s. Um, and they're not magical or, you know, mystical or anything like that. They're just an animal like a horse or, a, you know, a cow or something like that. And so all the countries that are fighting the Napoleonic Wars use them as kind of their air force. And they have tactics and, you know, things like that. So it's a pretty intense book series. I think there's seven or eight. They they read pretty quickly though. I mean, they and they jump from continent to continent, and they meet other kinds of dragons and stuff like that. And it's it's pretty interesting, kind of like an alternate history, you know, type series. Um, and it ju- the last book just came out a couple months ago, so you can actually read the whole thing, unlike uh, some other book series. Um, <laughs> and was it the Tamarine? Tamari, and I'm probably butchering it because it's a very uh, British name and i'm not british um <laughs> i'm sure but, somebody will let us know in the comments but the author's name is naomi novak so you can look her up uh peter jackson actually had the the movie rights for a while and, and he was talking about doing it after he finished the war of the rings series um as, as some movies but i think they reverted back to the author at this point but anyway it's pretty interesting stuff um and then tv shows i'm, I'm kind of same as you. Um, I've been making my way through all the Marvel Netflix series. I just finished uh, Luke Cage, so um, which was excellent, by the way. It was a great yeah, movie. yeah. I think. Are you uh, looking forward to Loris Tyrell as uh, the Iron Fist? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the one that was that was part of the reason I was making it through all the series um, was to to kind of be in time for when Iron Fist came out because I think that'll be interesting. And then I'm I'm really interested to see them do the the team up series that they're they're going to do called the defenders right which i think comes out this later this year if i'm not mistaken i, I could be wrong but no they're yeah, filming I mean, right now so yeah I, it, it, it's good stuff uh luke cage luke cage was good i think jessica jones was probably my favorite one jessica jones the, was, more, was, was more cerebral than it was uh, and i say that as a pun because of the because of the villain it was more cerebral but uh yeah. than the other ones but i like luke cage a lot because i was I like the soundtrack to Luke Cage. It was amazing. Yeah, was yeah there's amazing. Some good, yeah, good music on there that I've kind of, you know, during the episode I've stopped and you know, punch it up on iTunes and and found some good stuff on there. So yeah, they're they're good they're good shows. I I kind of wish sometimes they had a little bit bigger of a budget because for the longest time Jessica Jones's superpower was basically that she could break locks. And she could um, jump out of buildings you would never see where she landed. Right, and it, and it, you know, so sometimes it, they do feel a little bit, you know, 80s, ABC, you know, Saturday morning type shows, but That's overall, because they gave all the good stuff to, to uh, Daredevil and the Punisher. Yeah, but but they're all they're all pretty good, so anyways. Isis, I know that you've got some great show recommendations because you and I have talked about this, and you've actually, uh, do you still do your, your old system? Of uh, of marking things down on, on Excel spreadsheets? <laughs> yes, I still have an Excel spreadsheet that I use to track the TV awesome. shows I that I watch. It. Yes, that is an actual thing. 
And um, and if you want more information about that, uh, I can send it to you. If you if you ask in the comments, I'll email you my Excel spreadsheet. But anyway, uh, so this is this is the the show that I'm really looking forward to is uh, called the uh, White Princess. It's going to be on Stars. It's uh, it's going to be its season premiere will be in April. Um, so it's actually taking over Outlanders spot uh, that we were hoping for them to get. So Outlander is going to be moved down to. Um, to September and the white princess is going to go ahead and take over. Uh, this is, this is the follow on show to the white queen. Um, excellent, excellent series. If you get a chance to watch it, that one is also on stars on demand. You can actually watch that now. Um, I, I wrote a whole article about it on cultures.com if you want to read it. Um, but the, the white princess is going to be excellent because you're going to see some Game of Thrones characters reappear in this show. And I think that that's going to be really, you know, attractive to Game of Thrones watchers who want to get their Game of Thrones fix. So, also, um, George, R. George R. R. Martin based a lot of his stuff on The War of the Roses as well. So there's, there's some uh, callbacks. Yeah, and, and, and the, uh, I think intrigue. it's going to be really excellent. Um, there are also books that go along with it. Um, the 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 writer is Gregory, uh, Phil, Philippa Gregory. I could look it up right now, but I believe it's Philippa Gregory. You can look it up on cultures.com. I just wrote an article not a couple of days ago about it. Um, and if you're looking for a book to read, I always go to Outlander. It's one of my favorite book series that, I, that I've read. Um, there you can read a series of eight books that are already out. So uh, there's no, you know, R.R. Martin kind of thing going on. Uh, you, you got plenty of books in, in the cache to, to read there and everything. And uh, a matter of fact, book nine, we're expecting it hasn't been announced yet, but we're expecting it late next year. Um, so I, I think that, you know, this would be the perfect time to go ahead and get through uh, the Outlander book series. Cool. All right. Well, um, Corey Thone, uh, what, what's, what are you into right now? Uh, well, we are currently burning through the West Wing as best as we can. Ah. I've never, never seen it before. I guess if I had to recommend something, uh, you can always, for pretty cheap, you can find the um, some Elmore Leonard stuff. You can find, like, I'm looking here at Amazon, you can get for your Kindle the uh, three-book collection of Pronto, Riding the Rap, and Fire in the Hole. There are three great books. Uh, Fire in the Hole's collection of short stories, more than that. Inside those three kind of shorter novels and stories, you'll find the character of Raylan Givens. Justified. Who, who now, Amor Leonard is an incredible writer. He wrote something like 50 or 45 books in his day. His short stories and books have inspired everything from 310 to Yuma to Get Shorty So and Jackie Brown. Like He is outstanding. Uh, you can get on Amazon Prime. All the seasons of Justified are available. It is one of the few shows that I would say I might enjoy more than Game of Thrones, uh, especially seasons two through uh, two through five, and then the final season. And you know, it's it's a great show. You can get through it pretty quickly. It's each episode's forty two minutes because it was on TV with commercials and stuff. So uh, go for that. Awesome, Annie. Wrap it up for us. What are you, what books would you suggest, and what show are you watching? 
Uh, I the show I'm watching right now is Victoria, uh, which is a historical sort of um, of Victoria the Queen, um, who and it's basically from the first season is her becoming queen and the beginning of her reign and marrying uh, the prince consort Albert. Um, it is fantastic and it stars Jenna Coleman from Doctor Who. Um, it stars some very very sexy men who I would highly recommend watching. Um, Albert uh, just, yeah, you know, he's a total hipster, and he nags on her all the time, and I'm still madly in love with him. Um, (laughs) And and next season, Diana Rigg has been cast as probably another Queen of Thrones type. Um, So, a Queen of Thorns type. So, I am very, very excited for season two. So, I highly recommend checking that out. The finale will be on PBS this coming Sunday, the 5th. um, And they'll be marathoning it beforehand over the weekend. So, you can watch the entire thing. It's only like seven episodes, eight episodes. Um, You can watch it in a day. Uh, As for books, I recommend N.K. Jemisin, uh, The Fifth Season and The Obelisk Gate. Uh, basically, this is a series. This is a trilogy um, about the end of the world, and Ooh. these people who are kind of like they're kind of like wizards and witches, but they are instead of being kind of like the people who run things. Like if you think of like uh, if you think of uh, Ranland and the Wheel of Time, like you know the AS, the the ASI are you know kind of sort of they 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 they're they're the they're the people behind the rulers and they're pulling the strings. In right. this case, these people are the oppressed people and they're the slaves. Oh. And wow. and and the protagonist is basically trying to hide who she is from people and it's it, it's terrible and the and the world is basically destroyed by her ex-gay lover whose child she had it, 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 yeah it's so it, it's so dark and so dank and so good and the first you see the first two books are so good and the next book is going to come out i believe next year um because jemison is not pulling a martin um she uh she also did the inheritance trilogy which is another fantastic trilogy um i recommend basically anything she's written um so please do uh, uh, the fifth season in the obelisk Gate. Um, that's uh, N.K. Jemison, and uh, the series is the actual trilogy series is called The Broken. Okay, I need to check that out. It sounds interesting. Oh, it's so good! Like when they destroy the world at the very beginning. Like I just like it, and it's one of those things where like. I was actually rem- I'm reminded of the Wheel of Time because in the Wheel of Time you see the world ending and then you jump and it's kind of that same kind of feel where like this amazing dramatic thing happens and then you jump and then you start to see the fallout happening all around in the rest of the world and it's it's just, oh it's so good. Well, guys, um, that's going to wrap it up for this show. We've talked a lot about a lot of good things, so if you have comments, leave them in the uh, comment section um, below this article after you listen to the podcast. Let us know what you want us to talk about in a couple of weeks when we come back on air, and we will mention, mention you and uh, answer your questions. So for myself, for Annie, for Isis, and for the two Corys, this is, <laughs> this is Razor. You've been listening to Take the Black. Blah, Mogulis. <laughs>